Welcome to Life Church. We are an ex 242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. If you have a Bible, you could turn to Luke chapter 10. I almost feel I don't need to preach now because you've watched the video. You know how it finishes, don't you? But we will um, unpack it together. Yeah, Father, thank you so much for your word tonight. And um, yeah, Jesus, there are things that you want to challenge us about and there are things that you want to show us. And I pray that each one of us will have hearts that are just ready and receptive to respond and to do what you're calling us to do. Amen. Amen. Really good last week, Nick spoke about the parable of the sower and uh, it was a really great word. Um, just a real challenge to us as we were reflecting on it in Life Group this week to um, look at the condition um, of the soil of our hearts. Remember he talked about the fact that in our lives at different times the our hearts can be kind of conditioned or positioned in different ways. And uh, we want to have that good soil that produces um, a harvest in our lives. So this, mor- this, this morning, I said this morning three times on that video. I don't know if you picked that up. Okay, we need to get better at that. It's because we record it in the morning. And yeah, you, that's, that's why. But we're looking at the parables again. And... Um, I think with the parables, I'm learning more and more that um, we, we, need to, um, we need to not try and interpret them so deeply. Like, um, there's, a, there's a phrase that we use in our house and my kids use towards me, where they say to me, Dad, um, Dad it's not that deep. Or it's not that deep, Dad. It's not that deep, Dad. You know, so when I try and, when I'm sitting around the table... And I begin, to, like, one thing I analyse, I say to them, girls, like, why, why are there nine pairs of trainers in the hallway? Like, can't you take them to your rooms? You know, can't you just put your trainers back in? Dad, it's not that deep, it's not that deep. I'm like, well, no, it's not that deep, but you should just do it. Do you know what I mean? Just do it. Like, it's simple, you know. So, Dad, you know, it's not that deep. Or, um, yeah, Lois, whenever she comes home, she leaves us. And she takes bags of food back to college. I'm just like, you know, like, do they not have supermarkets in Liverpool, Lois? She's like, Dad, it's not that deep. It's not that deep. You know, it's not that deep. Right, it's not that deep. I think as we look at the parables of Jesus, I think we need to recognise it's not that deep. Like sometimes, like as we look at the parable of... um, It's just whistling a bit. Just turn this down a bit, Phoebe, sorry. Um, As we look at the parable... At the, end, at the end of all of the parables, uh, the Bible says, at the end of this parable, the Bible says that the, the Samaritan said to the innkeeper, take care of him. And if you look at the Greek of take care of him, it means take care of him. You know, it, it's not a mystery. Like we don't have to unpack every kind of dot and tick. Sometimes we just need to read the text as it is and respond and be challenged to what God is saying to us. And so when we, when we read the parable of the Good Samaritan, it's quite helpful actually as I've looked again at the parable in the context of um, when it was spoken, 
spoken to people that really understood the Jewish law. And uh, Jesus, Jesus is, um, there's a punchline within the parable that we'll come to later that was a real surprise to them culturally. It was very challenging to them. So there are some things in there that we can be enlightened about. But generally speaking, I just feel that the parables, Jesus told parables in order to make a point, in order that people would learn something together. So I trust that, that we will do that this evening in this short time that we have. So the, the series is called Pictures of the Kingdom. And as we look at this particular parable, within the parable, it seems that there are two stories going on. There are two challenges or two reminders to us. The first is the picture or the challenge about who is our neighbour? Who do we relate to? So we'll talk about that together this evening. But also, there is the wonderful picture of Jesus redeeming us from our brokenness as well. So there's a, there's a kind of a, there's a challenge in terms of our discipleship and a challenge for us to step up as followers of Jesus in the context that we are, we're in, as we live our lives for him this week, I believe that God calls us at times to think about how we use our time, how we use our emotions, how we use our energies in order to further his kingdom. But there's also kind of a looking back and being reminded of what Jesus has done for us in the story of redemption. I remember a really old chorus that we used to sing in church. Those of you who've been in church since the 1970s, you might re we might remem remember it, but it was this. The, the, the song went, He poured in the oil and the wine, the kind that restoreth my soul. He found me bleeding and dying on the Jericho Road, and he poured in the oil and the wine. And that is really a story or a song, a celebration about the fact that the story of the Good Samaritan is really a picture of what Christ has done for us in saving us from our sinfulness. So we'll read the narrative together. I know we've seen it on screen. It's a bit distracting seeing it like that. And I don't know, I don't know if it enhances a sermon or takes away from it really. Because as I read this now, you're just seeing pictures of little men making all those grunts. So just try and put that out of your mind. I will I will speak to the leaders team about the value of showing the cartoon before we read the word of God together. Goodness me. So try and ignore those. But the context is that Jesus is amongst some people and, they, and they're questioning Jesus and there's an expert. It's good when you look at a parable to look at how it starts and how it finishes because sometimes you can kind of get lost and forget like what was the point of the parable. And the point of the parable we will see is that there's a clever clogs in the crowd who... who who thinks for a moment that he can work his way to eternal life. And what Jesus does, Jesus takes him on a journey to show him actually that his heart is deceitfully wicked. And he gives him a context that, that wherein even a very good religious person understood that they would fall short of the challenge that Jesus puts before him. And the challenge is the one of the Samaritan. That is a challenge to the Jew, because they are extremes. And so, the Bible says on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. And he said, Teacher, what must I do to inherit a life, inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? Jesus replied, How do you read it? 
The teacher of the law answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly. Jesus replied, Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked, Who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell upon the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him. He bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you have had. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. And in the context of first century Jerusalem and Judaism, what Jesus was asking the guy to do was almost impossible. It was almost impossible. But what Jesus was saying to the expert in the law, the expert in the law right, rightly said, that, or Jesus confirmed that he would have eternal life if he did those things, if he loved, if he loved the Lord, his, um, his God, with all his heart, his soul, and his strength, and with his mind, and if he loved his neighbour as himself, he would. But the fact is tonight, what Jesus was saying, is that is actually impossible to do. Because in our natural self, we can't do that. We fall short of that. And so what Jesus was doing, what Jesus was challenging them with, was painting a picture and showing them, really, a picture of what Christ would do in terms of coming to us and making a way for us. So, three characters in the text. The first one is the priest. And the priest is a picture of the law. The priest was someone who was the top dog, yeah? They were top of the pops. There was no one higher in the hierarchy than the priest, and so as Jesus told this story to his Jewish audience, experts in the law, they would have totally got the priest. They would have understood. They would have understood that the priest was wealthy. In the second temple period, which is the period we're talking about here, the priesthood was made, of, made up of the prestigious and the elite class. The listeners would have assumed that the person had a ride. He probably had a chariot or a donkey. He had some mode of transport. He was very wealthy. He was well off. He was someone that would have travelled first class. And the priest, he had a dilemma. And the dilemma was this, that the victim was half dead. The Bible says that. The victim was half dead. Whatever that means, he was half dead. And so... Jesus' listeners understood that if the person on the ground was a fellow Jew, then the priest would have had a sense of obligation towards them. But in the priest's mind, because he's fallen, 
because he's not perfect, because he can't fulfill what Jesus or the teacher of the Lord said at the start of the conversation, all of the excuses of our sinful nature begin to kick in. And we could excuse the priest for, for thinking like this. First of all, the priest would have said, well, how do I know he's a Jew? I don't know he's a Jew for sure. The guy's half dead. I can't exactly ask him, can I? And also, I can't approach the dead body. My fellow Jew's in trouble, but if I approach this dead body and he is dead, then I'm going to have to isolate myself for one week. I'm going to have to go to a, a place and have ceremonial purification that will take time to arrange. And meanwhile, when I'm doing that, I'm not able to eat or collect tithes from the temple and neither is my family or my servants. You see, the priest understood that to cross the road in that moment was going to cost him so much. And because of his sinfulness and because, of his, um, and because he didn't have that love for the neighbour that he should have, the Bible says... Jesus says that he crosses to the other side of the road because there was just too much risk. There was too much cost. And what it shows to us is that even though the priest knew so much and he knew a lot, we're told that the priests, one of their disciplines would be that they would need to know the Torah, the first five books of the Bible off by heart. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deut Deuteronomy, and Numbers. He would have had to know those off by heart. And even though he knew so much, what Jesus was saying was that even though he, may, he knew so much, he was not willing to do, because of his fallen nature, he was not willing to do what the person who was broken at the side of the road needed to do. And for us this evening... The priest represents to us really a picture of the law. The law, the Bible says, cannot save us. It cannot save us. What the law does is it shows that you and me this evening, we are lawbreakers. We've broken the law. How do I know that I've broken the law? How do I know that I've fallen short of God's standard? It's because of the law. The law's a good thing. The law shows us that we need a saviour. How do I know that I'm a lawbreaker unless there's a law that I've broken? I know that I've stolen. I know that um, I've lied. I know that there, there, are, there have been moments in my life of sexual immorality in my mind that I've done things that I'm ashamed of. I know my heart is deceitfully wicked. I know those things. Why do I know them? I know because there's a law, there's a standard, and I've come short. But you know what the law, the law can show us? that we're broken and that we need a saviour. It can show us that, but the law can never save us. The only way that the law can save you is if you keep the law, because then you're not a lawbreaker, and so you're righteous. But in the eyes of the law, all of us have fallen short. The Bible says that all of us are, um, all of us are sinners and we've fallen short of God's glory. Romans 8, listen to this. Romans 8 verse 3, it talks about the law. Romans 8 verse 3 says this, The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our flesh. We can't keep the law because of the weakness of our flesh. So God did what the law could not do, 
He sent his own son Jesus in a body like us. It's glorious. It's glorious. It's glorious because what Jesus has done is he has, he has saved us, not because of the law, but because he came and he fulfilled the law. He ticked every box and then he gave himself for us. And we this evening, we can experience the righteousness of God in our lives. Not because of the law. The law shows us that we're lawbreakers, that we've broken the law. But it's Jesus that saves us. So the picture of the priest this evening, in the context of what we're reading, and in the context of when the story was told, the listeners would have seen that even though the priest knew so much, the cost was too much. And he crossed over to the other side of the road. The second person is the Levite. The Levite is a picture of good works. The Bible says in verse 32, So too a Levite came to the place, and he saw him, and he passed by onto the other side. Levites were the assistants in the temple. If there was a pecking order, it went priests, then Levites. That's what they did. And the priest... The Levite would have been probably been following behind the priest. He was like his assistant. He would have seen the priest cross over. And because he saw the priest cross over, he himself would have thought, I can't upstage the priest. I can't, how, I don't want to embarrass the priest. And the priest has set a precedent. Could the Levite ride into town with a wounded man that the priest had ignored? So even though he was good, even though he was a good man, his goodness was not enough to save that person that was broken at the side of the road. Because his goodness wasn't enough because, again, he was more bothered about his reputation than he was the broken man at the side of the road. It reminds us in the context of the gospel that good works don't save us. Just because he was a good man, he didn't cross over and do what he needed to do. Isaiah 64 talks about that our righteousness are like filthy rags. We're all sinners. We've all fallen short of God's standard. And so that was the Levite. And then we come to the surprise in the story. The Samaritan. He was the unexpected Samaritan. So, so far, when Jesus told this story, as far as the listeners were concerned, everything was going according to plan. They understood the pecking order, but they didn't expect a Samaritan. What they would have expected in terms of the kind of the law and what the law spoke about and the pecking order in terms of kind of the social circles, it should have been, it should have been the priest the Levite, and a good Jew. That's what it should have been. That's what they were expecting. As Jesus told the story, they would have been, the audience would have been listening to Jesus and almost been saying, we understand how this is going to go, Jesus. And the reason they would have done that is because the Bible, in Leviticus 19, it describes what a neighbour is. If you read, and he would have, remember this, all of the listeners, they would have understood the law. Like this wasn't a mystery to them. It wasn't one of those moments where um, 
the, the girls around the table were going to go, it's not that deep, Dad. Yeah? It wasn't one of those moments. It was really obvious what was going on. They were expecting Jesus to talk about a Jewish person, to be the third person in the parable. Leviticus 19, verse 18. Listen to what it says. Remember, they would have known this. It says, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. That's what it says in Leviticus. So when Jesus says those words, love your neighbor as yourself, every listener, they had a preconceived idea in their mind of what that meant. And I think the, 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 the expert in the law, he was a bit cocky with Jesus because actually he felt that he could do it. He could do what Jesus was saying in order to inherit eternal life because the way that he saw it, the Bible, Leviticus, was just talking about loving his fellow Israelite. But what Jesus does is he opens it up and he brings something left of field into the conversation. And he begins to talk about a Samaritan. And that was a big deal. It was a spanner in the works. Samaritans, never a Samaritan. They rejected, Samar- they rejected Samaritans. They didn't regard them as real Jews. They saw them as a kind of mixed race, intermarried. Um, The Jews, when they walked through Israel, the area of Samaria, religious Jews would rather take a 30-mile detour around the area than pass through Samaria just in case they bumped into Samaritans. And so it it was into this context that Jesus speaks. And we see what the Samaritan does. The Bible says that he took pity on him. And the listeners, as they listen to the story, they they will have been shocked and challenged and disappointed that the hero in the story is an outsider. It's someone who is not part of their circle. It wasn't someone that would normally touch their lives. And what Jesus was doing is he was showing them that actually, naturally speaking, they could never do what he was calling them to do. It wasn't an easy thing to do. For a Jewish person to love on a Samaritan, it was a big no-no. And so Jesus was painting a picture. It was a picture of his kingdom. And I find it incredibly challenging. And I think it's good that the Lord would challenge us this evening that in 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 the world that we live in today, there are people very different from you and me because of of our colour, our culture and our context. We have to understand that the way that Jesus' kingdom works, it talks about every nation and tribe under heaven. There's an invitation for the church to respond in the spirit of Christ and to be the gospel and to be those that reach out to whoever in order that others might know and experience the kingdom of God in their lives. For, for me, this, these last kind of two years have been rich in meeting people from, in different contexts. Um, think about our... Um, in our Latchford church and also in our Orford church, that we have many Iranians. And, you know, you can have all kinds of ideas, kind of politically, about how they've come to, come to be here. They've come on um, dinghies across from Calais to Dover. 
And they land in our church. And all of a sudden, people who are so different to me, like men from Iran who are, who are according to the law, illegal immigrants, they're here, they're amongst us. And there's the challenge and the call to love them. And we have loved them and we do love them. And we need to continue to love them. And then there's our, our friends from Hong Kong as well who find themselves in a new land, a different kind of, kind of vibe in terms of they are our brothers and sisters. And they, and they find themselves with us and so we love on them. They, they become our neighbours, they become our brothers and sisters. And this morning actually, or this week, a couple of um, our Iranian friends, they have to leave us and they have to go. They're being moved to different parts of the country. And it causes you to think about the system that we've put in place in order to kind of manage these individuals, that, that they would be in Warrington and build relationship, but then they're, again they're kind of uprooted and they have to move again. Like these are real people, real lives. And we, as the church, we have an opportunity to love and to care on them. And I, you need to know, like Life Church, we're not perfect. I understand that. We're not perfect. And I have to declare an interest. I'm, me and Sarah, we're the lead pastors at Life Church as well. But I think, I think, Life Church, like, you're doing pretty well at loving your neighbour. Pretty well. Like, we can always do better. And it's all by the grace of God. And all we, all we can boast, boast about is the cross and what Christ has done for us. And if there's any goodness in us, it's because of the kindness of God and we want to reflect that out. I see it also in the, in the grocery store as people who are strangers to us. You know, just lo local people from Warrington. Different colours, different backgrounds, different ages. They kind of waltz into our shop on a... And it's our shop. You might not, you know, be an author, but it's a life church shop. It's a grocery shop. It's a place where the kingdom of God is expressed. And as people come in, like you need to know that that, that church, that, that shop, it, it represents you and me well. That people are loved, that people are, are, are honoured, that there's a, just a sense of kind of looking after people and treating them really well and loving on them, not patronising them, but just seeing them as our peers and it's an opportunity to serve them. And all of that comes, all of that comes as Jesus was teaching this parable. He was saying to the church, listen, there are people that are different to you. There are people that are broken. There are people in difficult circumstances. And the challenge for us as the church is to be like the Good Samaritan and just to love on people and to serve them. And the whole reason we do it is because he did it for us first. And as we look at the story, first of all, <clears throat> we see the gospel and we remind ourselves, first of all, tonight, we remind ourselves that we're loved by God, that we, this evening, if we love Jesus, if we've surrendered our lives to him, there was a moment where he stopped and he touched our pain and he paid our price. That we were, What we were powerless to do in terms of the, the fact that the law condemned us because of our sinfulness, we see that something that good works could never achieve, never achieve. we see that Jesus overcame the great divide. And, and this evening, Life Church, we're righteous before Jesus not because of anything that we've done, but because we simply responded to what Christ has done on the cross for us. We are righteous. You are righteous this evening. I was reminded in a podcast this evening that you will never be more righteous than you are now. 
and you will never be less righteous than you are now. That your righteousness this evening doesn't depend on whether you had a good week or a bad week. The righteousness that you and me enjoy is because of what Christ has done for us. Really, really good to be reminded of that this evening. And then, so that's what we enjoy. That's what we celebrate as we look at the story of the Good Samaritan tonight. We're like, Lord, I was that person. I was broken. But you came and you poured in the oil and the wine and you redeemed me and you looked after me and you carrying me on, on my journey of life. We celebrate that this evening. But then there's the challenge life, church. As we look at the narrative of the story that we've read tonight, to whom must I become a neighbour? That's the challenge for us tonight. We see three things that the guy did, the Good Samaritan did. First of all, we see that he bandaged the wounds. He became incarnational. He went down and he touched. The priest and the Levite would not touch the man that was broken. But the Samaritan, the Bible says that he poured oil and wine and he bandaged his wounds. He risked his life. In a vulnerable, difficult place, what Jesus was saying is that this guy took the time. It reminds us of what Christ did for us, that he was incarnational. The word became flesh. He took a risk. He came amongst us. question is, what different people do you need to rub shoulders with this week? So it was incarnational. Second, it was sacrificial. The Bible says that he put this, this man, put, he put him on his own donkey. He helped him. I felt the, 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 the Spirit of God just impress on me. Like I was reading a book and it just talked about the fact that the donkey was his transport and he shared it. I thought, what transport do I have? I don't have a donkey, I have a car. I just said in that moment, I said, Lord, I want to use my car to bless people. I don't want people to struggle. You know, maybe there's... Someone who comes, I don't know, just a, for example, if someone who comes to the grocery and they've got a lot of shopping, you know, maybe I need to offer them a lift home. I can do that. You can't do that. Some of you, got, you, know, you go to work, you, you, know, you, you can't be around, but I can do that. But there are things that you can do that I can't do as well. And I think it's just, it's just listening, saying, Lord, you, the Good Samaritan is a story that you want us to action in our life. Lord, show me how I can be sacrificial. Are there moments of sacrifice that we can make in our life this week. Sometimes it really does cost to love and to bless people. It costs us. And I have to say that if we roll through our lives and we never really feel that we're paying a cost, either we're more like Jesus than we thought, or actually, we, are we really inconveniencing ourselves? Yeah. I mean, maybe some of us are like Jesus and we're inconvenienced all the time. We're just like, this is a breeze. I love this. I love this. I love serving people. I think for some of us, though, I just think we don't really inconvenience ourselves because not because we're not willing to, but we're just not willing to just have that ear that listens and just says, Lord, is there some way today that I can be inconvenienced for someone else in order that I can love my neighbour? So it was incarnational, it was sacrificial, and the third thing, it was costly. Note the Bible says he used money. He used money. He took two silver coins and he gave them to the innkeeper. Cost of living crisis. We're all in it. We're all feeling it. And it's 
it's kind of a moment where we might want to kind of hold a little bit tighter to what we have. And I think I'm all for budgeting. Budget well, budget carefully. But listen, Life Church, continue to be generous. Be generous. Just be generous. However the Lord tells you to do that, impresses that on you, be generous. Be kind of cheerfully generous, like the Bible says. Because listen, there's a, there is a sense of joy that flows from being generous to the others. I don't sense in the story when he gave the two coins that you know, there wasn't any negotiation. He was willing to do it. Final words from me are the final words from Jesus. Jesus said these words, sorry, the, the, the innkeeper said these words to the, uh, sorry, the Samaritan said these words to the innkeeper. He said to him, take care of him. Yeah, take care of him. The Greek interpretation of that is, take care of him. That's it. It's not that deep, Dad. You know what I mean? Take care of him. That's, what, that's the heart that came from the Samaritan towards the innkeeper, towards this stranger. Take care of him. And for us, Life Church, as we step into this week, the Samaritan gave a stranger extreme generosity with no chance for payback. There was open-ended, no-strings-attached kindness. Because the Samaritan said, and if it costs any more, let me know. Next time I'm coming through, I'll pay you back. He didn't even know the name of the man he picked up off the street. There was no chance of getting anything back. There was, no, there, there was, there was nothing kind of coming back towards him just because he did this act of kindness. It reminds us of what Jesus has done for us, that Jesus just kind of gives and gives and gives to us. There's no way we can ever pay him back. John 13, Jesus said, A new command I give to you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And it's not complicated. It's not complicated. Last words of the parable that Jesus speaks back to the... the, the um, the expert in the law, at the end of the lesson that he told them, when he springs the Samaritan on them, he simply says this to them. Jesus gives them this challenge, and this is the challenge I'll leave with you tonight. Go and do likewise. That's what Jesus says. Listen to what the Amplified Version says. Go and constantly do the same. Go and constantly do the same. To whom will you be a neighbour this week at great cost and risk the wounded man was never the same because of the interaction he had dare we to believe that corporately as a church through our ministries we have a, a town centre hub that runs on a Friday we have the vine ministry that goes out we have cap and the pantry and the grocery these great corporate ministries that represent all of us that we give to that we support as a church Let's believe that people will never be the same again because of their interactions with those. And then beyond that, you and me, we're the church. Yeah? Probably across our church today, there were 300 people that gathered across Life Church today. Just think about those 300 people. And if each one of them this week just has that moment of loving their neighbor, someone maybe who's completely different to them, 
What a difference, what an impact that would have on our society. That would be a picture of the kingdom, God's kingdom coming amongst us. Lord, help us to do these things. These things aren't easy. And Lord, we kind of sympathise with the expert in the law where kind of we think that we know the way it should roll. The way it should roll is that Jesus, you'll talk about something that's really comfortable to us. You'll talk about a priest, a Levite and a good Jew. But Lord, you just want to challenge us and stretch us tonight just to think outside of the box. And thank you, Lord, that you thought outside of the box so much that you left the box, the glory of heaven, and you gave yourself for us. You were just so open-handed with yourself towards a world that needed you. And I pray that as your church, that we too would respond to this parable tonight, that we we would recognise the radicalness and the extremity of what you were expressing when you told this story in first century Israel, Jerusalem. It was a different way of thinking. And Lord, I pray that, um, that as we listen to you, as we respond to you, that there'll be those opportunities to really love our neighbours and to be that expression of the kingdom of God. Lord, help us just to be incredibly radical and generous in our homes towards one another and towards those around our lives. And Lord, Lord, when you bring a need across our path, that there won't be any sense of what can I get from this, but it will be, Lord, what can I give to this person to help them in this next leg of their journey and to be an expression of the kingdom of God to them. Help us to do this. We can only do this by your grace, Lord. We fall short so much, but by your spirit and through your strength, help us, Lord, just to raise the bar on what we can do in expressing your kindness to this world. Amen. We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarranty.com.